Welcome to a very special crossover episode of Reality Breached and the Black Pocket Podcast. In it, we interview Ralph Celestin, a writer-director whose new movie Boston to Philly is available now on Amazon Prime. Join Sergio Lugo, Robert Morris, and Justin Ransberg as we talk shop with the talented filmmaker. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, um, well, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if boys and girls are going to be listening to this. Um, <laughs> my name is Robert Morris, and I'm up here with Sergio Lugo, and I'm up here with Justin Ransberg, and we are the Reality Breach, Breached slash Black Pocket Podcast, and we are up here with a man who is making moves out here. <laughs> Let me tell you something. He's he's doing things that are just extraordinary. I'm I'm proud to have gotten to know this brother over the past month, month and a half or so. Um ladies and gentlemen, we have Raph Celestin. Did I say your last name right? Did that perfectly, brother? That's that's the best way I said it perfectly. <laughs> okay. For <laughs> Ooh, I'm glad cuz I was nervous there for a second. Uh <laughs> for our listeners um who may not have heard of you, um I'm going to ask this general first question. Who are you and what do you do, brother? Yeah, thanks for that intro. So my name is Ralph Celestin. I'm an award-winning filmmaker. And basically, I create motion pictures. And I do it independently with my own resources and means. That's awesome. What got you What got you into wanting to create um, independent films? Well, honestly, it, it, that's, that's kind of a layered question. So... What it comes down to really just the fact that I respect the art form that has always been part of the staple as a filmmaker has been creating films and giving out certain narratives that kind of go against the common stereotypes or ideas and perspectives of what's going on in that time period. That's a kind of a layered explanation, but basically you know, to dumb it down, you know, I just I wanted to create a platform where I could share my perspectives and how I viewed the world as a black man. And that was one of the driving forces of why I created Boston to Philly and why I started creating film as opposed to just writing short stories and films and uh, scripts. So you started out writing um, longer stories versus writing short stories. Well, so I started out as a poet, actually. So okay. I, as, as adolescent stage, uh, as, as a young bull, I was writing poetry and <laughs> short stories, and then from there it gradually progressed into more difficult realms, and of course, the platform where I'm at now, which is writing films and creating films off of my own scripts. Okay, um, what what type of what where well you said you you was like a poet and stuff. Um, I'm guessing you went to the spoken word joint set at at night and. And um, yeah. spoke about your stuff. Was your was your material still based off of being a black man and how you viewed things as a black man? So I, I, even with my films, I try to be pretty diverse, uh, always personal. So, yes, a lot of my poetry and spoken word always had to deal with how I was experienced life. And that that's my perspective. You know, I'm a proud black man. I'm a Haitian American. So that was always part. That's always the backbone of, of all my stuff. Um, but I, I also discussed other things that I cared about. I cared about, you know, how hip hop. I cared about different moments in history or maybe how women are portrayed in media. So that also would be things that I would touch on in, in poetry. 
And of course, that's something I touch on now in film. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all mixed into one. Can you tell us, for, for the people who haven't seen your movie, can you tell us about Boston and Philly? Because yes, watching absolutely. the extended trailer itself is, is it's it's a it's a lot going on. It's real diverse in how you what how it looks. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. I mean, that was my intention. Um, Boston to Philly, uh, the space it out. Boston to Philly. Mm-hmm. We're available now on Amazon Prime, and it's it's a coming of age drama, and it's a cast ensemble piece. So basically, it's about a young black male from Boston who travels to Philadelphia after the tragic loss of his family. And through that, there's an exploration of not only the character Rome, a.k.a. Boston, but a series of other characters that kind of merge together throughout the story that starts separate but merges together with a cohesive group towards the end. And it's a cast ensemble piece, similar to a crash uh, or any other film that has multiple characters with one storyline. There was one character in particular that that I saw. And she was talking about um, um, cutting herself. And yeah. I've had a couple of friends that have had to deal with that yeah. with that issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's something that you know I haven't seen. Like and a lot of mainstream movies really don't deal with that. If they deal with it, it's like, and eh, you know, they you know give you a piece of paper. That's what this person did. But I, I'm guessing that you really delved into that, and that's something that's um, that hits people. Where 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 they live, you know, it's a real harmful thing to to portray in a film. Yeah, no, I, I'm I mean, I'm happy you noticed that, Robert. And again, like I mentioned, every single piece of art that I want to create has to have a, a, a element of truth and reality behind it. Mm-hmm. And Boston to Philly, we touch on a lot of different themes. My character, uh, Boston, he goes through every stage of depression. Uh, but the character you mentioned, that, that character's name is Rai Rai. And you're right, she represents self-mutilation and how that's a real thing that people go through. And uh, we share her story and how she was dealing with it. You know, how is it she became to be a cutter, dealing with it throughout the film, and of course, how she got over that and what's her sense of therapy to move forward without doing that again. The, uh, I'm, I'm going to cut in here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sergio, what's up? Yes, Sergio. Um you, you you mentioned depression, and that that is a topic that is very very I don't want to say in vogue right now, but it is very topical. Uh, a lot of filmmakers and and and, and people may, being creative are either diving into addressing the issue or they're completely avoiding it, and m- even more are if it's a, a creator that is dealing with. Uh, African American issues, they avoid it even more because that that's it, it's it's almost a taboo, uh, and there aren't many create many African American creators talking about depression. Uh, how important was it for you to get that right? That was, that's really well said. Uh, it's extremely important to get it right, and so much so I made sure to send over the script and the final version of the film to a few doctors who specialize in mental health, and in particular in the black community. And I felt as though it wasn't enough to just have it in the dialogue. Uh, like you mentioned, it, it has been touched on in a few different areas. You know, there definitely have been filmmakers that you know, gradually, just on the surface, kind of di- discuss depression. But what I really wanted to do uh, is actually showcase 
the different stages of depression, actually act out and show with actual scenes what it looks like. So it's not that we're just talking about it, we're seeing it in real life. Uh, for example, um, the, the moment of despair, the, 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 the moment of suicidal thoughts, that's the first thing you actually see when you are introduced to my character. That, that's the scene when I'm on top of the rooftop during the snowstorm, I mean, I'm crazy to be outside, but the emotions that run through my mind at that point in time, I just lost my family, and then I lash out. The anger comes out, I lash out on my mentor, the only father figure I have left. So it was, it was really important that I showcase visually, not just talk about depression. And because I wanted the black community just to embrace the fact that this is what it looks like, this is what it could look like, and not to be ashamed of it, recognize it. Hopefully that answers your question. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah, that actually that would actually help um, the watch the person that's watching it. If they have a friend that's going through that, they'll know the the signs of it, and then absolutely. be able to help them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can definitely watching the film. You can break down each point. Rome is each time Rome is shown. There's you can give you can almost tell what stage he's on. You know whether whether it's denial, whether it's just the self uh, expression, whether it's the anger. Uh, where the weather is towards the end of the movie, when it's the, almost an acceptance and this revital, you know, this revitalizing convictions with with his progress, uh, everything is touched on. It's recognizable. Yeah, the um, I suffer from a mental a mental condition. I suffer from PTSD from um, from military combat. So, and especially being in the black community, it's really hard for us to to identify certain certain aspects of mental illness and I really appreciate people um especially you wanting to show the community what that looks like because some a lot of people don't know what that looks like a lot yeah. of people just be like oh he's just in a oh they in a mood or whatever but no they're not in the mood they're actually going through some things and you need to learn how to identify it and then battle it together absolutely yeah absolutely. there's almost a stigma behind it yeah in 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 that community yeah it's it's, it's definitely that we I know for for me it was really hard for my for my friends, especially my black friends, to understand what I was going through. So I lost a lot of friendships. But you know now now I'm regaining those friendships because I'm I'm able to actually sit down and I'm able to actually talk about what's going on because at first I didn't know what was going on. And so I think movies movies like like yours and, and even creators like like you, um, the mindset that you have is is really valuable. And uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to be hearing your name with, 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 with the big, with, 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 with the, with the, um, the big guys. I can't think of any, any like big, huge. <laughs> that's good. Productions. That's good. You think of my name. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's, but, but you know what I'm saying. You up the like your ideals and there's the way and you can tell that you're passionate about the things that you do, which you know I appreciate Thank that you. a lot. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Can we talk about, like, the actual making of movies yeah, for a second? Yeah. Uh, there's nothing off limits. I love you guys. <laughs> I'm a fan of the show. Like, I'm, I'm here for you. So, you, you mentioned that it's an independent movie. Yes. Uh, how does one just wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm going to make a movie? Like, what, 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 what's that process look like? Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's, def- it's that's not how it is. You definitely don't start off and just wake up. <laughs> you know, I, I certainly urge anyone that wants to become a filmmaker, especially going the independent route, that you you immerse yourself in the culture, you understand the history, what it is you're getting into, and you also understand the mountain 
of just like the adversity and challenges you're about to face. Because being an indie filmmaker is a badge of honor, especially again on my end, uh, I pride myself on being a black filmmaker. And I truly believe since the beginning of the, of, of the American culture of art and Harlem Renaissance period, Oscar Macho, like he was like he to me is the greatest you know filmmaker of all time. If you know you know him, yeah. Yeah. He he shared the narrative that no one else did, and he was the indie filmmaker. Like that's that was the start. So and of course now we have the Spike Lee and we have other guys. So there needs to be an element if you're going to be a filmmaker to, to wake up and first look into what it means to be a filmmaker. Who are you representing? And then get an idea of what type of story you want to put across, what type of platform. How are you going to use your platform? I, I'll tell you, Lugo. I'm sorry if I put his name wrong, but I hate the idea of the filmmakers that put out just the same old stereotypes: drugs, violence, guns. Women got to have, you know, women got to just be only sex objects that are just like scantily clad, and there's no real depth of the story or the characters. I feel as though those are the guys that wake up and say, "I'm just going to make a." <laughs> the ones that take the time to learn how to do it right, they put more effort into it. That's that's where the process starts: learning, learning the history behind it. Okay, okay. Well, well, then then let's let's take it from there. Uh, where do you see this going? Because because uh, I I I think the obvious comparison. I I may be the only one who sees this as an obvious comparison. Uh, look at Tyler Perry. Like Tyler Perry started from nothing. And now he basically owns all of Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, that's how I understand it. And, a, and an airport. <laughs> uh, where where do you go from here? Sure, I'm going to answer that question, and after I answer it, I have a question for you guys, all three. Okay. okay. Uh, so get ready, Lugo. Uh, so basically, right now I am doing a press tour with the film independently. Um, there's, a, I, I'm at a, I'm at a crossroads because I understand. At the path I'm in now, independent probably won't be what I'll be doing much longer. Uh, I've been blessed that uh, BET did show interest in the movie Boston to Philly before we even released. Um, due to budget constraints and just overall production value of what they have on TV syndication, we were we were passed up on. But you know, I'm on their radar. We're in talks as well as Lionsgate and OWN Network. So it seems to me my focus just needs to be on. Letting, you know, making sure this project isn't doesn't fall wayside, doesn't go unnoticed, and from there just gradually let God's plan take its course. From what I can tell, um, it, it seems to me that in a short period of time, my next project, or eventually I will be picked up to do a, a, a company or a larger studio project. So that seems to be what's coming up next. But right now I'm focused on the presence, which is just Boston to Philly, letting people know about it, uh, bringing some issues that the film talks about to light because I care about it deeply, and from there just taking it as it comes. Fantastic answer. Okay. Fantastic. And you had a you had a question for us three. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, I do. Okay, uh, Sergio, because you because you just asked me the question, I'll start with you. Okay. Um, so you mentioned Tyler Perry. Are you guys a fan of Tyler Perry and the content specifically he puts out? Uh, me personally, <laughs> no. It's more of a respect relationship I have with him. Uh, I respect what he's built because he has. He, he's now he he has such a reach and such an ability to do whatever he wants and not have to answer to anyone. It, 
like he could do you know a buffoonish comedy <laughs> and then turn around and do something serious mm-hmm. within two months. So so yep. so I, that I respect. I may not like his movies, but you know that's person to person. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I'll go next. Um, <laughs> I will say it's it's a yes and a no for me. Yes, in the sense that I like his plays more so than his movies because I noticed that his movies are just kind of like rehashes of his plays. Yeah, and that was the way I was introduced to like his comedy, his uh, his writing style, and everything um, before all of the movies. So, and my mom was a huge fan. So when I was in high school, we were riding around um, in our van. We had a TV, a, a small flip down TV. It was like, oh, y'all just watch Tyler Perry. Y'all be quiet. So, <laughs> so <laughs> for that, I, I do like his plays better. I'll still stand on that. I like his plays better than his movies. Okay. Okay. Um, for me, I was, man, my house was all about some Tyler Perry. We had all the real CDs. We had the bootleg CDs. <laughs> we had, uh, we don't even know if they work, but it says Medea on it. I can't tell you how many times we... I think I have Medea's family reunion memorized oh, man. By, wow, okay. by this time. Um, I'm kind of like Justin. Um, I grew up watching his Medea plays, so I'm, a, I'm more so a fan of the plays. Uh, the first movie I did like and enjoy just because of the nostalgia of seeing Medea on the big screen. Um, after that, it kind of just, you know, kind of faded by the, by the wayside, but, um, to be to be can completely honest, I, I I respect I respect him, but his movies aren't something that I just want to go see. But his business his business savvy, I have to respect that as well because you know he did come from nothing. Well, that's yeah. what that's what we were told. I mean, yeah, and it takes tremendous focus to to get to that level. Yes, it does, and it's you know I can't tell you how. You know, how many no's did he get before he finally got a yes? You know, once he got that yes, you know, he, he shot for the stars. So only takes one. Only takes one yes and you go yeah. for it, absolutely. Yeah, so I mean that's my take on Tyler Perry. Yeah. I share the same sentiment. I think he has great business acumen. Uh some of his I, I also prefer the plays over his films because again I, I grew up also on them. And I think there's something about stage play the stage play acting is just a little bit it means a little bit more knowing that there's no other cuts coming your way. Yeah. Um, right. But yeah, I, I agree that some of his newer stuff, I, I haven't really been too, uh, too adamant to go and watch. Do you have any other, this is, that, I'm glad we, I'm glad you asked that question, man. That's a question <laughs> I, you don't, you don't, that's a question that, that people like, it's just a really good question. Um, I can't, I can't put it, form it in words. Uh, who, who are some of your favorite directors? Okay. Uh, I mentioned Oscar Michaud, obviously, uh, he's up there. Even though I may be butcher- butchering his last name, but there's a lot of different pronunciations of his last name out there. Oh, yeah, it's Michaud, um, because it's, uh, yeah. I think it's French. Yeah, that's Michaud, you're right, yeah. Obviously, you know, he's up there because, again, I dubbed him as the first, he's the GOAT, he's done so many, and he was doing it at a point in time when no one else really was doing it. So he, like, he was really putting it all on his back, like the, the narrative that black people are out there, the successful we have our own stories, and we need, you know, it needs to be told. Uh, currently, my favorite director is actually John Singleton. Um, he's, again, he's just, he, I just love what he puts out and how he does it. Um, Rosewood is one of my all-time favorite films. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, of course you guys know about Rosewood. Yeah, Rosewood <laughs> was, 
it made me want to fight the next day, but it was a good movie. <laughs> yeah. But you know, and that's and that's why it's one of my favorites. It was like the first film I ever seen that I felt so emotionally just like just this drain. I, I went through so many different emotions from laughing to crying to anger mm-hmm. to literally wanting to be violent with the next person I see. Like there's a lot of different ranges that I felt watching that film. And again, that was Vin Vin Rams was in that. Mm-hmm. Vin Rams. Um there's a lot of different people in it. Don Cheadle, the young Don Cheadle. So like that was just one of my first films. Besides him, everyone else just kind of falls in line. Obviously, you know Spike Lee. Um, dude, everyone falls in line. I got you. Yeah, what? James Cameron, I like a lot. So. Uh, John Singleton gave us a uh, Tyrese in the Fast and Furious franchise. Man, don't talk about Fast and Furious over here. Don't talk about Fast and Furious over here. We was having a good conversation. No, no, that's a point for him. What are you talking about? What do you You think? I'll tell you guys, I'm I'm actually really becoming a big fan of Donald Glover. I'm a big fan of Atlanta. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. um, I feel that Atlanta has become like the human version of the Boondocks. You guys think that? Atlanta is... One of the yes. best three TV shows on television right now, hands down. Hands down. Hands yeah. down. It can definitely be. That's a really good. That's a really good comparison. I like that. I, I didn't. I didn't think about that because uh, I was. I'm a big fan of the Boondocks. Mm-hmm. I don't know if yep. you guys watched yes. it. Yes, yeah. and of course. and read the comics growing and up. And read yeah. the comics growing up. Yeah. Every Sunday. Never lost. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but at, Atlanta. Atlanta is really good. What's your What's your favorite episode from season one? Oh, hands down. When he goes on the date. When he goes on the date. And he's like trying to count count the money and it's getting spent more and more. Oh, that is yeah. That is the funniest because all of us have been there and oh no. The the guy outside the parking lot who's not actually there, like it's not his parking uh, lot, he's just like yeah. watching it. Yeah. Oh, that's a classic. Yeah. That episode's a classic. Yeah. We have a we have a club down here. There's a couple of guys who do that. Say, hey man, come on! I look up to your car. Just give me ten, fifteen dollars. I make yep. sure ain't nothing wrong with the car. You come back, ain't nothing wrong with the car. It, it's, hey, they, hey, that's how to make a living? Yeah, how to make a living? Uh, what about yeah. what about season two? Season two. Oh man! So closer towards the end when they went on the college trip, that was really funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. just to kind of see those worlds merging together. Everything from the fight outside with like with the girls starting the fight to them they're going to like that frat house and like they're seeing that weird initiation process. Uh-huh. That was really funny. But just seeing those worlds collide, I think is hilarious. Cause I've been there. No, I, I've been there. I definitely. Uh, I de- my favorite one is uh, um, when he when when you get to the house. What what was the name of the uh, the. Uh, Oh, the one with, with the, the piano? Help? Yeah, the one with the, the piano. serial killer guy, oh, yeah, yeah, like Jenkins oh. or something. Yeah. What Teddy, was Teddy. Teddy. Teddy Perkins. Teddy Perkins. Yeah. Yeah. Teddy Perkins. Teddy Perkins. Teddy Perkins, because I was like, man, is that Don-? The whole time you're sitting there, I was like, is that Donald Glover or somebody else? You know what? I, I watched the whole episode without knowing that was him until I read it somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and they said that he, I didn't know it was him. he stayed in character while they were filming as well. So yeah. he was he was playing Teddy Perkins while they were directing. That's fantastic. Right? That's fantastic and creepy at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think method acting is probably the most challenging thing to do. It's to stay in character well beyond just you know action and cut. It's a very dangerous game you're playing when you do that. Mm-hmm. As we've seen with other char- with other people that have lost their lives because of that. Yes, um, mm-hmm. it's a dangerous game. Dangerous yeah. game. 
um, when it comes to um, acting, how how do you get into character? Well, it's, it's it's a lot more difficult on my end because I'm also the director <laughs> and I'm I'm the character, right? So I I, I can't do method acting because once once I'm in character, I need to break out of character to make sure technically the film looks good and it looks mm-hmm. the way we want it to look. But I've always just gone with the this reflection and just finding a zen, finding an area where I can be quiet amongst my own thoughts to figure out what I'm trying to portray and then get to that point and showcase it. Uh, a lot of actors tend to kind of step away from set or take five and go in their own corner. Just, just mull things over in their mind, quiet everything around them down, and then emerge as that character. And that's what I would do. Okay. All right, I have yeah. a question. So when you're working with your crew, um, what are some things um, that you keep in mind as you are all working together? You know, I always want to keep in mind that everyone's enjoying themselves. Because as an indie film crew, we're, you know, we're, we're doing this for the passion, for the love. Uh, granted, people are still getting paid, but it's a, it's a different level to it. And we're not getting the huge bucks that you're making in a, in a film studio production. So it's always important that people are taking it serious, but they're also enjoying what they do. And you know, the vibe on set is, is, is important because morale is important. That's the difference between a good project and a bad project, those that believe in what they're doing. And so I think that's probably one of the most important things is making sure that the, the crew is having fun and they're enjoying what they're doing and they're getting the best out of it. Okay. That's a that's that's a really good question. Um, I'm looking over your um, f- filmography right here, man. And um, what? You got a lot of credits. Um, you have yeah, six you. has six uh, six writer credits. Which which one of those besides Boston to Philly, Space Out the Two? Yeah. Um, <laughs> what? Which one of these are your um, are your favorite? Like I said, you got a Haitian movie. You got S E L L A's Kitchen, the Seller's Kitchen. Yeah, um, Rosie's Diner. Which one of those really did you enjoy the most? I guess besides all of them, that's kind of a weird choice question yeah, like, in there. You know what? I'll, I'll be so we we'll have to go really back. Uh, those who have been following me since the beginning, when I was like in college, uh, I wrote a TV web series called Boston, um, and it, it's just called Boston. Yep, there <laughs> it is. That was like, that was like my take of. I don't know if you guys have ever seen The Wire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was like my version of The Wire that was like happening in Boston. And so like I, I had no hold bars. I was like violent. Like stereotypes, I did not care. I was super violent. <laughs> I had every other scene, someone was swearing, someone was getting shot up, someone was getting tortured. I had so much fun just like diving into the world of a gangster and violence and just like, like it was just great. That probably, if if not Boston affiliate, it had to be that one. Because again, that was one of my first projects I ever wrote, and it, it was just so gory and violent. That I'm like, it, I had a blast. Such a blast. <laughs> Makes me want to watch yeah. The Wire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love The Wire. I love The Wire. Ah <laughs> oh, man, it's been so long since I watched The Wire. I can't. I can't sit here. When The Wire? When that in uh, Baltimore? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think so. That's, yeah, I've been to I've been to I lived in Baltimore for about a, two months, and it was a uh, I stayed at the harbor. I didn't go anywhere else. 
Um, <laughs> was it was that because of the wire? I don't know. There's a lot of different reasons. There's a lot of there's some nice areas, but there's some you know there's some some stuff going down there. Yeah, def- I got to go to Bel Air, and um, the only reason I went, I took a bus, got off at a store, played the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, got back on the bus, <laughs> and then went back to uh back to base. That was. That's a highlight of my life. There it is, right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me about the uh, Haitian movie. You said you're you're, you're Haitian. So yeah, can, so can I'm you... first I'm I'm first generation uh, Haitian American, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I'm I'm grateful that Boston to Philly actually won Best Film at the Haiti Movie Awards this year. Oh, cool! Congratulations. Nice. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So, um, you know, as a Haitian American, I thought it was important to, to let people know. That I'm not only just a black filmmaker, but I'm a Haitian filmmaker as well. Mm-hmm. So um, my next two films are actually a little bit more touch on the subject of being Haitian. For example, Sellers Kitchen. That's the film that I've been working on as we speak while I'm promoting my first film release. Uh, that film's in production as we speak. And that's about a Haitian restaurant opening up uh, in on the East Coast and dealing with some conflict with the Dominican uh, community that, it was, that, the, that the restaurant resides in. And uh, there's another, The Haitian Wedding, that's brand spanking new. I'm, as we speak, writing that script. And that's going to be coming out also probably by the end of this year as well. Oh, okay. Do you, yeah. um, do, are you, do you keep up with um, um, Haiti at all? Or do you keep up I do. With I, I, so I keep up with both Haiti and everything Haitian in terms of domestic and abroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like for example, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but in New York, uh, Little Haiti was just official. This made official. Oh, just established. Cool. So there's a brand new Little Haiti in New York as of right now. It's pretty exciting stuff. Have you visited yet? I've never been to Haiti, not yet, but I will. Okay. All right. Yeah. I had a friend. Uh, she went there for uh, I want to say about a month. I, th- I forgot what organization it was, but I think it was uh, around the time of the earthquake. That nice. There. Um, that's that's dope, man. Um, you yeah, but, you know, I'll tell you this, Robert, just because you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Look, when I visit Haiti, uh, one of the reasons why I haven't gone yet is because I'm not really big on visiting my home country and going at a, staying at a hotel resort and living like a lavish, luxe life while I'm there. Like, I really, If I'm going to go there, it needs to be something much deeper where I'm truly living. In, and I, I don't want to be in a fancy place. I want to be in right. in the mud, uh-huh. helping the community, doing thing, you know, doing it the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's important to do that. He, he he wants to visit Haiti, the opposite way you visited Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm look. All right, uh, man. Yeah, because uh, you don't you don't get a lot of people that say they say that they want to go visit a place. They don't want to go to. They don't want to go to the. To the to the things that they're trying to fix. They want to go to the resorts. They want to see the the clear waters. They want to... Um, the tourist attractions. The tourist attractions. They want to scuba. They want to see, like, a local market or something like that. But all in all, they just want to go there just to say that they go there. They went there, and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a check off a list. Yeah, actually, yeah exactly. Uh, Chris Rock, in his most recent special, has a really great piece about uh, Jamaica, where he said the drive from the airport to the resort looks like a war zone. Everything else is super nice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, with, oh, man. and and that's exactly what you're talking about. Is, mm-hmm. is people go to Jamaica 
for the you know the beaches, mm-hmm. but they don't care about the drive from the yeah. airport to the beach. They don't care exactly. about the internal problems that are going on. They yeah. just want to go for the the hoops and the hollers of it, I guess. Um, exactly. Do you have any? Speaking of Chris Rock, do you have any favorite stand up comedians? Yeah, so Dave Chappelle is actually my all-time favorite. My man. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> right answer. That's the right answer. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's a genius. He's a genius. Uh, from there, it'd have to be like a mix between either like an old-school Eddie Murphy mm-hmm. to uh, to a prior. Oh, either yeah. 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 You, you definitely. I'm not, like, I'm, not, I'm not a big Kevin Hart guy, actually. You're not? No. No, oh. I'm not a big Kevin Hart guy. <laughs> Oh man, can you uh, can you give us the reasoning why you're not a big Kevin? You don't, don't hear think, this. You, know, you don't I'll, hear I'll this a lot. You, I don't think Kevin Hart jokes are are clever. I don't think he's actually intelligent with his humor. I think he's actually mm-hmm. very basic, Please. which is why a lot of the things he does is very animated. Yeah. Where he throws his whole body into it because mm-hmm. he needs that. Dave Chappelle can just sit down and talk to you, and he will make you cry. Yeah. Kevin Hart needs to give you sound effects, and he needs to throw his body around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Still funny, like you know, he's definitely funny. But the greats, the legends, they don't need to do much. Mm-mm. All right, because Dave Chappelle, he he mentioned in his last special that he can pull a pull an ending out of a hat and make a story that goes to that ending. Yep, that's right. Yep, <laughs> that's there, right. There, there's nothing cerebral about uh, Kevin Hart mm-hmm. or or yeah. say Cat Williams. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they're the same brand. Yeah. They're funny, but they're not. Yeah, they're not geniuses. Yeah. I'm not defending Kevin Hart. I just want to put this out here. I'm there. Yeah. This is. I'm no, not I mean, I like, I'm giving compliments. Like I like them all. I, I just, I think Kevin Hart is a, he's a comedian that has made the best of the time. We're mm-hmm. in the social media era. He came up during that era, so a lot of his jokes were able to stream and get trending more, more accessible. Um, you know, imagine. I mean, Dave Chappelle was super popular with his, um, with the Chappelle Show. Imagine if YouTube was around at that point in time, or where it is now, or Facebook where it is now. It, it would be even bigger. We talk, we'd be talking about billions of dollars at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I think, I think my, my favorite is Richard Pryor, hands down. Richard Pryor is my favorite. And then Red Fox is, is a close second. Because <laughs> Red, Red, second Red Fox. Okay, yeah. When he, because, I mean, like you said, you know, the greats don't have to move around a lot. And, Red Fox just sat in the chair, smoked, and drank scotch the whole night, and just <laughs> and legit just roasted people, and it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, Boston to Philly, would you say that's a a drama? If if we're, if we're talking genre, yeah, I'd say it's a coming of age drama. Coming of age, I can we can break it down even more specific because the the. The backbone of the film is growth, a personal journey, and young coming to age, you know, becoming older, more mature. So, hands down, it's a coming of age drama. Okay, okay. Hmm. Uh, how encouraged are you to work on multiple genres? Because you know, you know, some directors lean very heavily, and they all they do is comedies. Or some directors, all they, or some writers, all they do is 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 dramas. Uh, where, where where do you think you land on that spectrum? Well, um, I, I I believe I can do anything I put my mind to. So I land on wherever the money is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if someone you know, if I get if I get contacted by Lionsgate and they want me to, to create a comedy, I'll, I'll go and do it. 
But I definitely tell you that I favor drama because I, I, I feel as though, you know, a sense of this pain, angst, and survival are all elements to life that I feel as though form us as humans and as a person. And I'm very, I have very strong convictions and I feel as though drama portrays those the best. Okay, so cool. um, since you brought up money, uh, as an because <laughs> in, in, I know a lot of people may have this question, as an indie filmmaker, where do you get funding? Do you just like... So there's a lot of different avenues you can do. I personally, I actually took on a second job and I went with this self-financing everything and how I did it was that I think organization is key with anything you do. You need to organize your finances and figure out what you need, how much it's going to cost, and what schedule you can put it on so that you can achieve it without bringing, you know, without slowing down production. That was my story of making my first film. There's other directors out there that do a lot of crowdsourcing where they go on Indiegogo or a Kickstarter where they're asking people for money. They have like a two month period where they aggressively go on a publicity tour and they utilize all these different platforms to get people to donate money to their cause. And then from there, they create the film. Either which way you look at it, it all depends on the person, their preference. But I personally, I went with the self-finance and I just, you know, I just went after it. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that seems to be the big hurdle is I have this story to tell. I feel like I can tell it, but how do I get it off the ground? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, and that, that's, it's, that's a very scary, very, very scary thought. It is scary. I mean, there's actually, but I came across this, like this statistic when I first started the film, like before I even had auditions, there's a statistic that's for like five, for four out of five films, independent films, never see the light of day. So they never finish. They, they, they never have to see completion. And it, it, I, I may be butchering it because it's been so long since I, I've reviewed it, but it's something insane like that. It's definitely very much against us. Uh, so starting the journey and ending the journey. And I think financing plays a huge role in that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you know, being that one of the five that gets that gets made, that that may be a sign that you're doing the right thing. If you are able to pull the funding together, write the script, shoot the shoot the film, edit the film, release the film, promote the film. Like if you're able to do that, you're probably doing what you should be doing. Yeah, I think so. I appreciate that. Never lost. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something you mentioned, uh, Oscar Mouchot early. Mouchot, Mouchot. Michelle, excuse me. Uh, yeah, Michelle. I think uh, the first time I heard about him was when I was living in Texas and I was uh, in one of my art appreciation classes. And something that really stuck out to me when he was making his films, like he would he would shoot them in small parts. And uh, like there was there was uh, a film he made where he needed a, a fur coat. So he went to like a um, one of those like ritzy motels, borrowed somebody's coat, filmed and then brought it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a million stories like that. I've got the, the, like the indie filmmaker is a very, you, know, you need to make things work. You're gritty. You, you, you're creative. You, you know how to talk and, and wiggle your way into different situations. And no one did it better than Oscar. No one did it better than him. <laughs> All right. Those yeah, are... can, can I ask a quick question before we go? Yeah, yeah sure. So can we, can we maybe, get, I, I, I have no idea what's one of your like top favorite films. So as a filmmaker, I'd love to know what, what do you guys hold near and dear to you? Robert, I'm gonna let you take this one first. Oh man! Oh, I wish you didn't make me go first. <laughs> uh, I tend to, I tend to like um, 
don't don't judge me on this, but I I love Tim Burton films. Okay. <laughs> um, I just like Tim Burton. He's like weird. Burton I'm weird. It's it it just comes together very very nicely. Um. Uh. uh Nightmare on not Nightmare on M Street. What Night, am I Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas. Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas. I don't know why <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking. Oh, I'll tell you. I was. I was thinking about Jack and and this is Halloween. And I will. And I thought. Of, never mind. Don't worry about my thought process. This but um, <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas is definitely on my top list. And the second one will probably be if I was to sit down and put a movie in, it will probably be Sweeney Todd. Really? Surprisingly that good is movie. An underrated yes. Tim Burton movie. Yes, it's, it's yeah. I love it. Um, I was a music major in college, so a lot of those songs were actually sung by people in um, their competition. So I fell in love with the film. So that's those, a good those, those are my top two. Nice. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, not top two of all time, but top two most recent. Um, has to we'll go, all right has to go to Black Panther because that that movie the storyline the visuals like the confusion of like is this person a villain antagonist he kind of right but his methods are really messed up um, so I love I love that movie and um, I encourage these guys to watch this movie earlier uh, Baby Driver because of the Baby Driver that's yeah, right yeah because of the way that Edgar Wright um synced up the music to the scenes is incredible. Nice. So, if you haven't seen it yet, definitely go watch it. You, he also wrote down yeah. Coco. Yeah, Coco's a good movie. Coco's a great movie. Yeah. I have yeah. not watched Coco yet. I don't Coco wanna, will have you in your feelings. I don't want to be in my feelings right now. <laughs> uh, let's see. All-time, like my all-time favorite movie, hands down, is Back to the Future. Uh, classic. It, it, is, it is a classic. It's it's good from start to finish. It it. it it somehow is turned into a period piece, which is cool. Like Back to the Future is is amazing. Uh, if we're talking indie film, like I love Clerks. Like Clerks. Oh, that's right. Kind of informs a lot of indie film in the nineties. You know, it's just the story of this this dude from Jersey who ran up all of his credit card debt to make one movie. <laughs> It, it, it's 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 the biggest like hail mary of the nineties. It's just I'm gonna spend all the money I don't have <laughs> and make this, yeah. and it worked. You know, that, that's an interrupt, Sergio. But you kind of look like the guy in Clerks. <laughs> <laughs> look like Dante. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm referring to, right? You do kind of look like yeah. him. It's funny. I'll take that. Yeah, and it, it's, it's a compliment. Thank you. Thank you. What what about what about yours? Besides your own work, what are your top top? We'll do top two. Okay, so a uh, favorite indie film. Uh, I mean, I've I've seen so many. So uh, for me, probably my favorite indie film would be Blair Witch Project because hmm. it just it did so well, uh-huh. and, and that that was hands down an independent film. Like they yeah. they didn't have the money for it. Like that, it was shot dirt cheap, and it, it just skyrocketed to legendary status. Legit scary um, too. Yeah, no, I was definitely scared. I saw that in movie theaters. If, yeah. you, can, if you can believe it. In terms of like my favorite films, uh, I'm, I'm big at anything with Denzel. So Men on Fire, uh, similar to what you mentioned, how like the, the anti-hero element. 
I love and there is you no know, man on fire. He's definitely definitely anti-hero. Um, yeah, I mean, Bad Boys just because Will Smith and Martin Lawrence together is just like <laughs> gold. And The Matrix because sci-fi is everything, and that mm-hmm. plot is just too it's too unique not to have on my top my top list. Yeah, I, w- I would say The Matrix is one of the most important films of the past twenty years. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, have you? Well, it's just more more things being brought up in the conversation. Have you seen um, the movie called "I Kill Giants"? I kill giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I have. No, it's a it's a story about a little girl dealing with um, her ailing mother who has cancer. So she makes up this imaginary uh, world that giants are attacking the city and she's protecting it and that's how she's coping with her um mother's um cancer mm-hmm. interesting and it's interesting. Uh, it's i think I, i'm i'm it's on uh hulu i got yeah i watched it on hulu and um it, it hulu is that yeah, the german hulu, hulu? yeah I, I watched it on hulu and it, it's it it made me think of that movie when you was talking about um, earlier about um, emotions and showing it on film and stuff. So, if you ever get the time, it's called I Kill Giants. I think you'll like it. I'll look into it. Look into it. I still need to watch Power from yesterday, but I'm gonna look into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've not seen. We've seen the best three shows out right now. For me, uh, Game of Thrones is the greatest show of all time. Yes, uh, Robert. Yeah, I don't think there's anything better than that. <laughs> Ever. I've only watched the first season, but I, I definitely enjoyed it. I, I got to watch the rest of it. Well, you have plenty of time to get caught up. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, Jump on it. Yeah, the winter's coming. Winter is here. Uh, winter's here now? Okay. Yeah, winter. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. I've only. I, I got to the part when he pushed the kid out the window, and I was like, all right. So the, the first episode. That was the first episode. You yeah. watched the first episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They got you on that one. They did. They did. They did. I thought I was going to be able to slip out of the conversation. Uh, but no, nah, they got me. I'm a, I'm a big Rick and Morty guy. And really big into animes and stuff. So Yeah, Attack yeah. on Titan. Attack on Titan. Attack on Titan is scary. I, I never, I'm, I'm so glad that um, um, that's not real. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it'd be a wrap. Yeah, <laughs> definitely it'd be a wrap. Uh, I know. I know. It's my favorite anime. Oh man, it's a good, it's a good one. Um, the video game—I don't know about the video game, but the anime is really good. They have a video game? Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that video hmm. game. Um, My Hero Academia. Hey, My Hero Academia is up there too. It's dope. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? What was it? Um, My Hero Academia. No, I haven't seen that one. Is that on Netflix? It's on Hulu. Oh no, okay, I haven't come across that one. Hulu. What's that? What's Hulu. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm pretty current on anime. Like, if it's a popular anime, I, I've probably seen it or I have it in like the works to watch. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if you're telling me that's good, I'll check it out. It'll 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 get you. It'll put you in your feelings, man. That's good. I'm with that. Yeah. It'll definitely it'll definitely put you in your feelings. Um, um. Is there anything that you want to um, promote before before no. we wrap things up, man? No, just again. I, I, I obviously I want to promote the podcast, which is why we're all here. It's a great, amazing content you guys put out there. 
And obviously, Boston 2 Philly is available right now on Amazon Prime. Uh, surprisingly enough, the, the soundtrack is doing very well right now as well. And that's available on iTunes and uh, everywhere else. You can listen to music, Amazon, Spotify. And I urge people to go watch the film and you know, look, check out what an indie film really is and what we all put together. Because it's, it's making us rounds. We've sold out theaters throughout the whole country. And we're about, we've been out for about two weeks. We're already selling really well. So check us out. Awesome. Man, that's, yeah. man, that's really good. Um, I wish nothing but, but, but blessings to you and to your crew. Um, Thank you. And continue making great films. Continue to 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 step against the grain, man, because we need more people and minds like you, most definitely. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ralph. For Robert, for Sergio, for Justin, this has been a Reality Breach slash Black Pocket Podcast merger. We never lost. (laughs) Ralph (laughs) Celestian never lost. You want to? You want to know many many times Ralph Celestian's lost? How many? Never. (laughs) Never. Y'all take it easy.